Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Street Text, where you can run Facebook ads that actually work. They're ready to go Facebook ads that include landing pages, text message assistance through AI, drip emails, capture forms, and best practices. Join Street Text at streettext.com. Lab Coat Nation, welcome back to another episode of the Lab Coat Agent Podcast. And I have to say today's episode is going to be the first ever with a potentially concussed guest. I'll let him tell the story about why he potentially has a concussion. So if he says anything really goofy or off the wall, I'm just giving him I'm, I'm giving him an out right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are bringing on the host of the Business Freedom Podcast. He's the founder of the Real Estate B-School, which helps you leverage your business. Let's be honest. Most of you many days say, I hate my job. I hate my career. I have no time. I'm running like crazy. Well, this guest is going to help you uh, achieve greater results uh, through our conversation today. He's also a best-selling author. Author. He started his real estate career in 2007 when he left his corporate job, but we're going to let him tell us more about that. Welcome to the show, Mr. Lars Hedenborg, my friend. Welcome. Good to, good to meet you, man. Awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so the, so the quick story, the 10-second version is that I binge watch Cobra Kai. Karate Kid is one of my favorite movies ever. And then I get this idea that I need to take jujitsu uh, lessons. And so my first class 10 days ago, I don't even think it was an aggressive move, but I got, I got tossed and I just felt it in my head. Like that did not feel good. And so I've had a headache for 10 days. I went to my primary doc this morning. He's like, you need to get a CAT scan today. So uh, yeah, if I say something stupid or I start to like get wobbly and just like disappear from the screen, uh, Call nine one one. Somewhere <laughs> in the North Carolina region, someone just passed out from a brain injury. I love it. Well, I can tell you already, right off the bat, we're gonna get along because I am also a Karate Kid fan. So for any of you out there who grew up in the same era as I imagine, Lars and I are probably a similar age. You're Top Gunners. You're Karate Kidders. Like this is getting off to a good start, Lars. So let's start though. Assume our audience has no idea who you are. It's the first time they've heard of you. Tell us who you are. Like, how'd you get into the business back in 07 and what led you to where you are today? Yeah, so uh, my journey was, I mean, everyone has their their own journey into the business. I came in, I actually relocated a corporate reload from New Jersey to Charlotte back in 2002. But before I had moved, I, I bought a few properties up in, in New Jersey, two family homes. So I kind of got into it a little bit there. I moved down to Charlotte. Um, started out as an investor. I bought eight or nine properties, got to know my broker. He really good sales guy sold me into leaving my corporate job and becoming one of his agents. And my first nine months in the business, I sold 27 homes and none of the leads were from the broker. And I noticed that he was working eight days a week. And so he had like 40 agents in his brokerage. He was hustling to, to, to make a buck. And I was really just starting looking back on that. It was just a good lesson on man, he's got all this exposure, three offices, you know, in different parts of town, and he's still having to work as hard as he is, you know, kind of watching my broker just kind of hustle and grind and do all that. And, and at the end of the day, I think I brought in 250K of GCI, all of my own leads, and I, I grossed from him 175. So I paid this guy 75 grand. He didn't 
generate business for me or, you know, so the value equation, like I was just kind of scratching my head. I was just happy to be busy, you know, 27 homes in, in 10 months for my own sort of lead gen um, was good uh, instantly seven days a week. And so I got married in 2006. We had our first child end of 2007. I left this cozy corporate job to get into real estate. I went from really great job, but just the whole corporate grind and ladder. And, and I just wasn't willing to play that game. And uh, so I, I knew that leverage had to be part of my equation. So I hired an assistant in 2008, did 44 sides. Late 2009, I brought on my first buyer agent. We went from 58 to 118. A couple more buyer agents to 178 to 248. Uh, 2012, I sold my last home that I've ever sold. And then ever since I've been, a squirrel just ran by. That's going to be a lesson later in the podcast. There's this squirrel that runs by. So let's let's mark that. Do not cut that that out. That's off script, but do not cut that out. So 2012, January was my last sale. Uh, it was my highest price point. And the guy was listed seven other agents over seven years. So my last 1.2 million was my last sale. And I just committed to, to building a business that ran without me. So, so um, let, me, let, me, let me stop you real quick. First of all, I love that you said that your broker worked eight days a week. Um, it actually took me about five seconds to think, wait, 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 there's seven days in a week, uh, which which is funny. I like that. Uh, but what I wanted to ask you was, you know, you mentioned that the, in the first year you were calculating what your broker was making off of you. How long did you stay for that broker? And I want to ask my audience, like ask yourselves, uh, and this is this is not a pitch to go to any bro particular brokerage, right? Uh, but ask yourself, what is your broker doing for you? I think that's a really important question to ask. But if you could answer that question, like how long did you stay with that guy? Yeah, so so my first 10 months in the business was it. I was over at Remax uh, before the end of that end of that 10 months. So at, at Remax at the time, you know, they were kind of hands off, kind of let me do my own thing until they didn't. Until three years later, they said, you can't grow your team anymore. We're not making any, any more money on you. And so within two weeks, I, I bought my own Remax franchise, but never played the, I never saw much until recently, I never saw much value in a brokerage. And so then I went independent, then KW, and, and now I'm with EXP. So the journey in terms of brokerages, I've always just questioned, like, what's the true value of the money I'm exchanging? It, it could be a lot. It could be a little, you know, but you know then what, also can just, we, can we talk about that though for a second? And, 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 and by the way, folks, I just want to let you guys all know that as our audience, I go into almost all of these podcasts without a preconceived plan or conversation. Uh, and I know what these people bring to us, but Lars is a great example. Just met him for the first time, literally, you know, 15 minutes ago. Right. And now here we are. But if you don't mind, Lars, I'd like to ask you about this because you have this experience. Clearly, this is a passion of yours. And I think this is a really important topic for real estate agents because I'm not in real estate, by the way. I'm in mortgage. So I'm on the sidelines, but I'm heavily involved in real estate. So I watch this stuff. I study this stuff because I want to bring value to realtors to grow my business, right? Same concept. I want to be like their broker. What frustrates the piss out of me is that I watch a lot of these real estate agents work for so many different brokerages that bring no value or they bring the same like antiquated dinosaur stone age value and nothing really of value to their agents. And so I, I think we're probably going to lead into this, but I, I really wanted to touch on that with you because it's interesting. Remax, 
KW, EXP, and I'll even uh, give my opinion on EXP. I, my issue with EXP as an overall model is that, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because I just know it's going to be a controversial topic, is that it started, it's getting better, but it started as it's all about you know creating future wealth, right? But you have to actually be able to attract and you have to actually sell real estate or this doesn't work, right? And so kind of both those topics, I don't know if you have an opinion on them, but one, brokers not bringing value. Two, uh, just, I guess I don't want to pick on EXP because I actually love the model, uh, but just the concept of realtors, find yourself a team or a brokerage that brings value. And I think Lars is going to help us understand that, right? Yeah. And, and, and no matter like where you are in your journey, yeah, I've always just thought of of where I spend my time is really valuable. So when I got into real estate, that that first 10 months, even though I grossed 175 for my broker, I made $18 an hour. So I spent a whole lot of money on stuff that didn't work. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I was just sort of doing the thing that anything that was marketed to me, I was spending money on. Um, but to answer your question directly, you know, it's... Um, what I'm passionate about. So I, I, I went the whole way. It took me six years to, to go all six stages. We kind of have six stages of growth in, in real estate. So it took me six years to go from agent, from agent to ramp, to build, to, to lead, to exit production, to own and, and a lot of failure in all of that. And so I never really planned on real estate B-School, but since 2013, the passion has been to help agents, you know, make more money, you know, have more freedom and to have more impact. All the, I mean, everyone's looking for the money and by chasing the money, they have no freedom and they have little impact in their family and their community or any of that. And so, you know, real estate B-School is still committed to, we're not going to solve, the brokerage is never going to solve the getting somebody to do like the five things that make you money in real estate. And, and I don't think brokerages are going to solve the, the value to consumer. You know, so I, I don't think, I think that's on the agent or the team. The reason I went with a, a, a business is that I can hire professionals for each position to provide an experience based on that phase of, of the, the, the buy or sell. And so I just wouldn't want to compete with the, a team that's built the right way in your market. Like it's hard to be all 10 things to a client, like the marketing person, the data entry person, I'm going to take the pictures. I'm going to do inside sales, outside sales. Like it's really, really hard. As far as the value of a, a, a broker goes, you know, I, th I think they all sort of, it kind of depends on where you are in, in your journey. And if you're getting any closer to your financial goals, there are a lot of top agents that, you know, take EXP, for example, if, and, and I was the, I don't know if this reference is going to make sense, but for some, it will. I am the Saul to Paul conversion on, on EXP, where it it just, it wasn't on my radar. And I likened it to um, Mona V selling acai berry juice, literally. And I was just closed off to it. I'm, I'm generally brokerage agnostic. So I think if you sell 30 homes a year, you could go from KW to Remax to EXP right? I, you know, whether or not you get, you know, KW kind of, they, they, they take a lot of money and the, and the value exchange isn't that great. But generally speaking, if you sell a lot of real estate, you're not going to get a whole lot for it, except your commissions. EXP has stock, right? So whether you value that or not, you can earn $16,000 worth of stock. EXP, whether we like it or not, is disrupting 
the brokerage industry, mm-hmm. not, not the agent to consumer. I, I don't think there's anyone that's going to, that has figured that out. I mean, Redfin has, has taken a run at it. Zillow is, is making a run at it by trying to control the entire transaction. Um, but that's never a game that I'm going to win. So I don't know if that answers your question directly, but it, it comes down to the person like, Hey, if you're not going to do the things it takes to be successful in mortgages, right? There, there's a there's a plan as a new mortgage broker that you could follow. In five years, you'll be a top mortgage broker. And the first two years are going to suck. Mm-hmm. But I bet you the dropout rates in mortgage from a, a newly licensed mortgage person to the first two years are probably similar to real estate. Yeah. Well, it's I like think, 80%. Every industry, every industry is that way. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I don't think any brokerage or coaching company is going to replace somebody just not willing to do the work. Well, and I think that's what's important to point out is, and and that's why I bring it up because I am agnostic. Everybody knows it. I'm not in real estate, so I don't care. I love everyone. In fact, I have a shirt that says real estate chameleon because I love, I I blend with everyone, right? Um, And the reason I brought that up is because it doesn't matter what name is on your shirt. At the end of the day, who's bringing you the value? And you even said it too. It's like you're chasing the money. I think most agents make the mistake of chasing a split or chasing a cap or chasing those sort of things. But what what does that matter if they're not helping you close deals, right? Like so many, and this this is this applies to real estate and mortgage as well, they can't see the forest through the trees. They look at the dollars, they look at the percentages, but they can actually make more with less if they have the right structure and the right leadership and the right team, right? The right brokerage who's giving you the value. And I just wanted to drive that home because you just, you opened that door and it's a passion of mine. So I love talking about it. Yeah. And, and it's a good point. I mean, so, so an agent on a well-run team, like, man, if you're less than two years in the business and you're struggling to make money, NAR, our, our, our association, the stat for a two-year-old agent is $9,300 a year gross. $9,300 a year. So the reason people- Poverty. Are, Poverty. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're not making it. An average agent is- you know, 49, a 16-year veteran is 72. Wow. Gross. So like there's no wealth in the industry overall. So the question is like, what kind of systems and processes and leverage can you get on on the organizing your time, right? Using the right tools, but then also, you know, is there a model that you can plug into that can help you have additional streams of income or different ways to, and that was the big conversion, not to make this an EXP pitch because I didn't even plan to mention it. But that, that, that's the biggest, there's just additional avenues in EXP that aren't in other companies. Mm-hmm. Whether you like them or not, they're just not there. Right. So, um, but well, I've got lots more to talk about I, just about straight I, yeah, up. And, I, and I do want to do that. And I will say to anybody, like if, you know, again, this is not a pitch for any brokerage because again, I'm agnostic. I think KW has some amazing things. I know a bunch of Remaxers that absolutely crush it. I know people at Colwell Banker and Berkshire, you know, you name it, right? It doesn't matter at the end of the day. The point I think was, was find that value, but let's get into what you talked about, which is the leverage piece of it, which is chasing the money, which is uh, working eight days a week, which is those sorts of things. Like let's, let's go down that path because I think that's important. I think there's a lot of people listening right now that's saying guilty. Yeah. And, and, and this one is, is probably the one that, I mean, I made every mistake you can make in business and, and business building and multiple times. The one thing I did right from the beginning was realize that I wanted to make $250 an hour. That was my first sort of aspirational dollar per hour number that I came up with in 2000, probably 2008. Why that number? 
I wanted to make $500,000 and I wanted to work 2000 hours. Wow. What's so that 40, breakdown? What's that breakdown to a week? 40 hours a week. So I wanted to work 50 weeks, 40 hours a week. And I wanted to, to make 500,000. I left a job that was almost, uh, it was with options. It was about a couple hundred thousand. So I was working 2000 hours, making 200,000. I came from a hundred. I wanted to make 250. My first year I went to 18. So I, I netted 36 grand that first 10 months. So it was just an interesting, interesting dip there. And it took me about five years to get to 250, another five years to get to 500. And I'm in the five-year block where I'm getting pretty close to a thousand. And so here, here's the, the, the secret. If you want to make more money per hour th than you're making now, stop doing the things that don't make you that dollar amount. So when I declared to, to nobody, but I just declared and I wrote it on all these index cards, $250 an hour. Do you know how quickly I got annoyed with everything I was doing? I was showing homes. I'm like, there's no way that I can't hire someone who wants to do this for 20 bucks an hour. Anything with paper or clicking a keyboard. I'm like, there's no way I can't hire an administrator that can do this, right? And so look at every job of a real estate agent. Like just, even if you're at the, 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 the grinding it out seven days a week, just take yourself out of that for a second and, and just trust what I'm going to say. There's no position that a real estate agent does that I wasn't able to hire someone for $75 or less per hour. So let's say you're willing to work 3000 hours a year, which is 60 hour work weeks, 3000 times 75 is what? Like 225. So we have some agents on our team that are making, you know, 200 to 250. It's on the right splits. So they're making what they want because we're not giving away 50%. We're giving away about 20% on average. They're, all the systems are so dialed in that even agents coming into our team can make six figures plus, which very few agents do in our industry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, an example is like, Take your typical day of, of a real estate agent. And let's say you're a busy real estate agent. I've got a closing today. So I had to swing by and get the lockbox and the sign. And then I had to get the due diligence check over here. And then this sign fell down. I had to drop off marketing brochures. Most agents are doing two to three hours of the lowest position on a team. Being a runner. There's nothing. It's not that that's not important, right? The person that sweeps, you know, the stadium, you know, at, at a stadium is important because it's got to be clean, but they're not making as much money as the guy that's in the skybox, you know, that's, that owns it. Mm -hmm. And so it's just that mindset of thinking about like, is this the best use of my time? Am I the only person that can do this? And then just getting to a level of frustration where you're willing to do something about it, whether it's technology leverage or, you know, people leverage. There are lots of smart folks right now who are not working that could work 20 hours a week for, you know, where all your, all your risking 20 hours a week times 50 weeks is what a thousand hours. So if at 20 bucks an hour, you'd be risking 20 grand and you'd have to know how to put that 20 hours back. Like if, if you could replace that with hundred dollar an hour activities, you're going to make $80 every hour. You pay someone to do $20 an hour. Yeah. And, and, 
90% of what a real estate agent does. It just takes an evolution of the systems. And, you know, uh, uh, we have a three-year vision, a one-year plan, a 90-day world and, and weekly and daily. Like we have a whole process that we bring a vision into what you're working on today. It's actually, I use the same process as the business freedom planner. So just that whole process will allow you just to be honest with yourself where you're spending your time. Mm-hmm. You know, when you start the day, are you, are you doing anything sales related for the first three hours of your day? It is nearly impossible to to be a top agent and to have a chance at making the kind of money you want to make if you're not like super diligent about just conversations daily about real estate. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's ever going to go away. You know, yeah, maybe texting or bomb bomb or there's ways you can leverage it and and but it's not going to go away. Yeah, and so. I mean, I could talk about that stuff forever because that's how I, I, I went the whole way, the whole six years to my last closing. And then two years later, we did 400, over 400 deals. And I worked 42 days that, that year. I made $2,300 an hour from that business. And I started out at 18. So, and it's not, it's not all that complicated. And it's, it's the same in every industry. Um, you probably read the book, E-Myth, Michael, Michael Gerber. I know of it. I've, yeah, I've only read bits and pieces of it. Yeah. So it's the first book I read when I got into real estate. This was back in 2007, where essentially the e-myth is it's the entrepreneurial myth. It's a myth because most entrepreneurs are doing all the technical work in the business. And so we each have a, a technician in us, a manager in us, and an entrepreneur. So there's three people that live inside, someone that's willing to go out and make their own way in the world. So by doing that, we're entrepreneurs. The, the thing that trips us up is the fact that we're going to do the technical work and we're never going to build the systems like a manager does. We're never going to hire an administrator, which is what a manager does. And then we're certainly not going to spend time thinking about the future of the business. And so most agents are doing 100% technical work, the technician, and they never get a chance to, to make any decent money. You know, We find that most agents are making less than 20 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. They're working, you know, 2,500 to 3,000 hours a year and they're making 50, 60 grand, yeah. you know, and it's, it's sad because it, and it kind of perpetuates where it's the reason why you'd work a deal Friday at nine 30 when you should be with your family is because the client saw you bring the sign out yourself and do manual labor. And they saw you drop the brochures off yourself and, you know what I mean? They, they see you doing low dollar productive jobs. So you better work the deal at 930 on a Friday or when a deal blows up on a Sunday and you step out of church, you know, to take a, it's like the, the, the attorney, the inspector, the lender, nobody's there on Sunday. Why are you working on a Sunday? You know, so there's no standards in our industry. The industry overall is just lack of standards and professionalism across the board. And real estate agents are handling like, it is straight up financial surgery. One of the, the most critical financial moves a family will make is buying or selling a home. Yet we have agents selling five homes a year that trip upon like, oh, you're my friend. You're my friend. So yeah, use me as your agent. Don't ask me if I've sold homes, hmm. right? We actually had a story recently. It was um, a guy that uh, used to be on my team that went on his own, but I still run with him on Saturdays. He's He was he's basically transacted like 1500 homes, new construction, then about 500 on my team and about 30 to 40 a year now. And he had one of his clients in his neighborhood 
walked over to an open house in the neighborhood, asked that agent, just got to know the agent. The agent said he had 400 buyers from New York looking in this neighborhood. The guy comes back to my friend and says, hey, listen, this other agent has buyers ready for the home. My the guy I know looks him up on MLS. He's like, with all due respect, that agent hasn't sold a single home in his career. You know what I mean? So there's no like, hey, yeah. am I even gonna like question what this person is saying? So, and I can appreciate it. I can appreciate it as a new agent, you know, trying to yeah. trying to hustle. It's something I would say. Yeah. But I mean, I would have a, at least one home sale. Something to back it up. Look, there's a lot to unpack that you just talked about. And uh, so there's, there's several things, several places we can go. But one of them that I think is interesting that I don't think many realtors actually put any time or attention to is knowing your data. Just from the way you're talking and the way you're quickly qu calculating things, you know your dollar per hour, you know your, uh, your net, you know your gross, you know all these things. And I'm wondering how many people are listening to this thinking, crap, I've never calculated any of that. I have no idea. I think because my 1099 says that I, I grossed 150,000 that I made 150,000, which isn't anywhere near the truth. Uh, and yet they're also thinking to themselves, I don't have a pot to piss in and I can't you know, afford anything. That's why. What, what Two, two questions here. Why is that so important, knowing your data? And two, how do you go about uh, calculating it and figure it out? Where do you start for somebody who's never really thought in that uh, wavelength? Yeah, so that's a really good question. So the the most ba basic calculation I want everyone to do, it's there's two calculations. And depending on when you listen to this, you could use, it's the most recent tax return. And I know we run some stuff through our taxes, but just use AGI. So adjusted gross income from your tax returns and calculate that number. So for me, my first year, it was like $37,000. So it was 250, I brought in, went to 175 after I paid my broker and I spent apparently $140,000. It's before I had a bookkeeper set up or you know, I just got all my stuff together and we just ran it through and there was 37,000 left. And I took 37,000 and I divided it by in 10 months I worked, you know, x number of hours. And it was a lot of hours even though it was only 10 months. I think it was like 2500 hours. And and that's the calculation. Where where are you and, getting the hours from? It's not like you're clocking it. So I'm assuming that's just an estimation. Yeah, I, I still do this calculation. So I just go back and and I have my Google calendar open where I it's only 52 times you need to click the the little arrow back and just quickly calculate the number of days that you worked. And so for me now, I I I typically have Fridays off. And so in a typical week, it'll be four days. So I'll just do four times four times eight. So it'll be 32 hours that week. Um, it doesn't have to be an exact calculation, but it does need to happen. And you generally know, like if you ask an agent, how many hours are you working? You know, they generally know, like, oh man, it's like Monday, you know, probably about 10 hours, maybe. A, yeah. So 60 hours a week, like you can get them to a, so 60 times 50 is 3000. And then if you're not making 300 after expenses, you're making less than a hundred bucks an hour. A typical agent working 3,000 hours is probably making 150, which is $50 an hour. Mm -hmm. And in real estate, 250 is possible. You know, and so it's just, it's the calculation of your actual, which is just going back to your tax returns, making an estimation of your hours, and then 
the aspirational numbers where it gets exciting. You know, to me, the 500 divided by 2000, like, you know, you could wrap your head around that being possible. It takes some leverage, it takes some systems, you know, but it's it's definitely possible, or at least go from 50 to 100. How would your life change if you went from, you could scale your hours down and still take home more dollars and, and have a better a better existence? So that's on the, that's really big picture. That's going to force you to get a little bit smarter about where you're spending your time. That's going to force you like on a daily basis, you know, part of our planning process before we enter into a new quarter, we do a time study. It it is the single most painful thing you'll ever do. It's looking in 15 minute increments for 14 days straight, every waking 15 minutes, you're writing down what you've done. Hmm. Most people won't do it. So most people will check out like that's way too hard. And then they're just complaining that their life sucks. Right. But if you bring a time study into a, a 90 day planning process, we have a process uh, we call delegate to elevate. That term was stolen from uh, traction, Gina Wickman. Um, but we do it a little bit differently. We do it based on actual data. Just be honest with yourself. Where are you spending your time? You know, I mean, is it, and then we just code the different activities working in the business, on the business or administrative. Hmm. And then we do the same thing for your personal time. Is it self-care? Is it family? Or is it administrative, family administrative? Like, are you mowing your own lawn? Are you, you know, doing the dishes? Are you, you know, are you getting joy from those things on the one hand? And, or are you doing something that you can pay someone 10 bucks an hour to do? And so I have brought this to the point where it bugs the crap out of my wife. Like she'll ask me to do something and I'm like, I mean, I could do it, but this whole thing implodes if I go do that thing. You know, like I've already decided that this is the year I go for a thousand bucks an hour and you're asking me to do something that I can bring a guy in for 50 bucks. Like take the trash out? No, I'll do that. (laughs) I I have leveraged that to my son though. My son needs a little bit more responsibility. There you go. So yeah, so I've just gotten fanatical about it and it's not... I am a numbers guy, so I have an engineering background. I worked on Wall Street and acquisitions. My my corporate job was acquisitions, which is a lot of number crunching and valuing businesses. So I, I have that part of my brain. But really, on a daily basis, if if you're if you're sort of in the struggle phase, if you're not, you know, we have six stages. The first two are zero to one hundred k GCI and one hundred to five hundred. If you're under 500K GCI or even 250 or less, really just watch where you're spending your time. Hmm. And on a daily basis, you need to do things that it's, and it's only four things. It's, you know, prospecting, lead follow-up, new consultations or appointments, and then negotiating deals. So P-L-A-N, prospecting, lead follow-up, appointments, and negotiating deals. And anything out of those four things, you're not going to get paid what you want to get paid. So you've got to figure out a way to get everything off your your plate. Even a part-time administrator, only 15% of agents have any administrative support. Even a part-time administrator, I mean, can double the amount of money you take home, even though you're investing like this mindset of like, I can't afford an administrator. It's like, but you just told me you're not making enough money and you're broke and your net worth is, is net negative. Right. So what are you going to do differently? What is your plan for financial, you know, not only financial peace, but financial prosperity? Like what is the actual plan? If it's doing the same thing you've been doing and it's led you to nowhere, let's contemplate something different. Definition of insanity, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Banging your head against the wall, you know, just keep doing the same thing over and over again. So 
And that's all I did, honestly. I was never, I'd never sold anything before. I'd never marketed any before. I'd never built a business before. Um, I just knew that if I could spend time on the things and and a lot of the things I built were things that that they're not easy to do. So they take a little bit of time to build the systems, but then once they're built, you can have someone else yeah. run it. And your first administrator, they're going to be your marketing coordinator, your listing coordinator, and your closing coordinator. And there are licensed agents that are dying for the opportunity to be an administrator because sales is not their gig. Mm-hmm. And my first hire st- stuck with me for eight years and she started out as, as those three roles. It's awesome. So I, I, I've, so again, a bunch of stuff to unpack. I love it. Um, I, I want to go a little bit deeper. I, I want to make a comment on one thing. First of all, when it comes to the tax return, you know, comment that you made about, you know, go, go look at what your gross or, or what your net income is. I would first say, and, and I don't know a lot, I have, don't know, have any data on this, but I would question that most realtors, even that number is not real. Like they're digging up phantom receipts and phantom expenses to minimize their taxes. So if you're doing that, it's like, this doesn't necessarily apply and you need to get real with yourself before you even start this, because you you need to be actually, you need to be tracking this stuff, which clearly you're the kind of guy that does. And if you're not doing that, gosh, you got to look in the damn mirror, which then leads to the, the, the 15 minute increment piece, which is almost like it made me think of, are you coachable? If you're not willing to do this, which I think is fascinating. I want to ask you a quick question about it is when it comes to that exercise, like, that is so simplistic, but yet so powerful, yet you're so right that nobody's going to take the time to do it because they're going to find out that the remote control to the TV is in their hand far more than they'd like to admit, right? Or whatever their vice is. And so how would you suggest somebody listening saying, damn, that, that's powerful. I need to do that. How do I do it? Like, what do you suggest? Am I just carrying around a notebook? Am I setting a timer for every 50? What am I doing? How do I do that? Yeah, so there, there are different ways to do it, and we can surely get that. I don't know if you guys have any uh, way to get a PDF in yeah. in the show notes. Show notes. So, yeah. so yeah. just mm-hmm. just hit me up afterwards, and I'll um, I'll basically describe how to do it. So there's different ways to do it. Some people literally just keep setting the timer over and over for 15 minutes. I'm more of a, you know, because I still do it. I'm like the only way I'm gonna, once I hit a thousand, I'm going for five thousand. You know, so it's like my game is never, I'm not going to stop playing this game. Um, So I think you could set a timer. I like to go like an hour to an hour and a half. I use my calendar pretty intentionally, you know, so I have everything in my calendar, like everything I do from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep is in my calendar. So I just tend, I carry it around with me. I print it out, double-sided black and white, staple it and carry it around with me. And even if you miss like a couple hours, just stop in that moment and just write the eight time blocks, you know, four 15 minute increments and then code them every day. So the instructions are on it. Um, it I would love to know how many people actually do this because we, we can't get our highest paying members to do this. And this, my friends, and I don't know how many people listen to this, this will set you free if you're willing to do it and actually admit that you're so far off track in terms of where you should be, not just to make money, but like what you say your priorities are. Like a lot of guys, you know, will say, oh, this is gonna sound horrible. And everyone might shut it off when I say this, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. 
guys will say like, I, I do want to be a good husband. I want to be a good father, right? I want to, I want to take care of my physical body. I want to, you know, whatever you want. And then you do a time study. We've done time studies where people aren't making the kind of money they want. They have ch challenges at home and they're playing three hours of video games and they have kids. And they're like, that's my decompressed time. I'm like, no way. Like, there's no way you can watch eight football games in a week, <laughs> right? Monday, Thursday, three on Saturday, college, and then three on Sunday. And then sports, like sports center throughout the week and, and claim to want to show up as, as a, a good husband and dad. Zero percent chance. I challenge anyone on that there's got to be a lot of dysfunction in your life to be able to pull off that calendar. And if you're able to, and let's say your wife is cool with it and your kids somehow get into sports with you and you rationalize that you're being a family guy, you, <laughs> your income, I promise you, you're not making the kind of money you want to make. It's, it's impossible. So when, when I talk about meaningful goals, right, if you really want to be a good dad and you really want to be a good husband and you want to take care of your physical body, you want to have a spiritual journey, but emotional well, emotionally well, so you don't like go off the handle one day and you want to like have an impact in, in, in maybe a real estate team or in your community, or you just have to make some tough decisions. I've, I've watched probably four hours of news since November 3rd or 4th. And that's, that's more than I watched in four years. So I've just cut off all news. I've got really limited access to social media. And it wasn't always like that, but I knew as I, as I got sort of loftier with the impact I wanted to have that I need to make more sacrifice. And it doesn't feel like sacrifice because I take 12 to 15 weeks vacation and I have more money than I ever would imagine. I don't, and, I, and I don't need to work anymore. And so do you want to end up like having all these regrets later? Or do you want to just be honest with yourself right now? And there's no shame in where you are right now. You know, we go to, and I've done it before. I have binge watched Dexter. I was late to the game on the show Dexter, but there was 96 episodes, eight seasons of 12 episodes, 55 minutes each. I watched it in two and a half months. Do the math on that. It's 96 hours essentially of TV that I binge. So I have been there. Like, I, I'm not a sports guy. I was when I lived in New Jersey. I went to every home game for like eight years of the New York Jets. And I think they still suck as bad. I haven't. It's easy, it's easy not that. to be a sports fan when you're a Jets fan. Right <laughs> yeah, <now. laughs> right. So I, I know some of that sounds harsh and it could be whatever it is. Like for, it could be social media. Like social media, I mean, the studies are pretty clear that you're going to be down on yourself when you're too much in social media. Like looking at a highlight reel and comparing it against everything that sucks in that you feel inside. And so I, I just think people aren't willing to have honest conversations anymore about, you know, where you're struggling, you know, especially guys, guys are the worst, mm -hmm. you know, where I can't hang in a sports conversation. So I just kind of go to something like what's not working right now, you know, like yeah. where are you struggling right now? Yeah. And uh, I but, think if more of us did that, I think it, it'd be a better. I think better. it's interesting. And I think some of our listeners are probably thinking right now who know me, they're like, oh man, he just struck a chord with Jeff because social media is a big part of my business. And I spend a ton of time in social media. I think what's probably most important though to point out is that for me, it's less of a time suck 
it takes a lot of time, but it's intentional. Like it's intentional that I'm posting so much every single day, engaging so much every, it's a part of the game. I call it a game. It's a part of my business is what it is. And it's creating enormous opportunities far beyond anything I've ever dreamt of. But I think the intentionality is probably where it's all, what it's all about. And, and even when it comes to television or Netflix or anything like that, you know, I, I don't think Lars is saying you suck you're a failure if you do any of these things. It's just a matter of being intentional about it. I think is really what what it come what it boils down to. And I I love what you said about dads um, because it's true. I was that dad once. I watched every football game, and I'm saying I'm same as you. It's rare that if if I watch TV, it's on in the background. Like I don't sit down and watch TV. I just don't have time. And I it's not that's not even intentional. I just don't have time anymore. And it's just yeah. become less of a priority. And I think you said it. It's it's like laser focused and super intentional. And even in what you're doing, I, I don't, we met like what, 47 minutes ago at this point. So I don't know any of that with you. Right. And so I was willing to at least put it out there. And and I would even look at like, are there parts of what you're doing in your social media that you could leverage to somebody? Oh yeah. You know, like if you're at 200 bucks an hour, you want to make 500, wherever you are, you know, what could you, I've gotten to the point where right or wrong, I shoot, I put out a, a YouTube video every day, high quality but I, I have two day shoots every two months. So in about 12 hours of shooting in front of a camera, I can get two months of content done. Nice. And then I have everyone else does every single other thing, the posting, the creating the, you know, so that's like an ultimate leverage point. But some people are like on Facebook all the time and, and that works. Just make sure it's, it is leading to something and it, you're, you're not burying yourself in the randomness of just scrolling, you know, which is, which is probably not, you know, and I, and just recently my kids got on, I have a 10 and 12 year old and they got on TikTok. And so I got on TikTok. Two things are on TikTok. A lot of like half-dressed women. So you're like, you're trying to bounce your eyes all the time and the thing sucks you in. Oh yeah. Even if that's not part of it, which it is. So for guys, it's like this, you know, whatever land, landmines everywhere. And the other part of it is that I have been on that thing for 60 minutes. Like I'm catching up on the news, like all this funny stuff. And I'm like, what just happened with the last 60 minutes? And these things are designed to do that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you watched the social uh, experiment mm-hmm. or the social dilemma. Mm-hmm. The the one on, uh, yeah, yeah. I know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yeah. It, and it was really convicting. Um, so it's, it's funny how like the, the, their goal in life is to get you on that thing as many hours a day as possible. And what you don't know about what you don't know about me is that I was probably, if not one, one of the top three advocates for TikTok about a year and a half ago before anybody even realized what it was because I have teenage daughters and they turned me on to it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the next level of social media. And when you say what you just said, I hear one thing. I don't hear rabbit hole. I don't hear time suck. I hear opportunity. I hear think about all those eyeballs that are going to be on your brand and create a presence there. But you're right, because here's what I don't do on social media. I never do this. Yeah. I, in fact, I'm, I have to force myself. You need to go into Facebook. You need to scroll. You need to go give some people some love because otherwise you're defeating the purpose of everything that you preach. And so like, I have to force myself to go to TikTok and watch and believe me, gosh, my wife and I will lay in bed some nights and just laugh our asses off and have fun together. Right. Um, but man, it can suck you in. And they're all IG, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, you know, it's Twitter. Funny. Instagram to me is the worst 
it's like, I don't know that people are just better looking on Instagram or their kids are better looking or they're more fit on Instagram. I think it's like so obviously like visual yeah. that I go in there and I, I have a headache. I don't know why, but I physically have a headache. So I can't even go in Instagram anymore. It's like, it's really, really bad. Well, that's, that's what the platform was designed for. So you just kind of, you, you really just in, reinforced it that it is a visual platform. Yeah. Lars, we're, we are going down a rabbit hole um, and we're, we're coming up on, on the time here. So I want to give you an opportunity to kind of share some closing remarks or anything that you feel like that maybe we didn't touch on, which I, and by the way, again, we had no intention of what we were going to talk about. And I thought this was fantastic, man. I think as simplistic as the concepts are, they're so advanced and challenging that I would love to get some feedback from some of our audience on this to hear if anybody does this 15 minute increment thing, or for anybody who dials into their expenses and dials into the data and says, man, what is my hourly rate? And be honest with yourself. What is it? Um, what do you, what do you have? Let fire away. Yeah. So I think it's, I think it's just, getting your priorities straight and, you know, without sort of, you know, introducing any more sh shameful comments, more like uh, there, there's a group I belong to C12. It's a Christian business owners group uh, that meets here locally and their, their, their tagline, their guiding statements is, is priorities are what we do. Everything else is just talk. And so like, when I was, I turned 44 in Hilton Head, South Carolina, three years ago, where I was listening to a book called Halftime by Bob Buford. And in the book, he talks a lot about regret. Like guys get to the end of their life and they have regret. You know, there's, there's all these billionaires that said, I, I did it wrong. Sam Walton and, you know, whatever. Steve Jobs even, uh, I think, had, had a similar story. You know, I just don't want to get to the end and have regret. So it's hard to think about like, where in my life am I drifting? You know, just let's just be honest about it. Don't, you know, in, in my marriage, in my, in my relationship with my kids, my physical body, my spiritual journey, my business, my finances, let's just assess ourselves regularly and just take one step at a time to get better. And a lot of times I do this, I'll double down on business activities, rationalizing that like the business needs me because I'm avoiding other stuff. Like relationship with my wife is hard sometimes. My kids are 10 and 12 and they're hard all the time now. Mm -hmm. You know, my kid, my, my son is 12 and he just got a girlfriend two days ago. She's coming over this weekend for a date. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Right now we have to meet these parents. We don't know their names. We've never met them before. And so there's all these new things that are coming at us in rapid fire. Um, and just knowing that I don't want to have regret in these areas, it forces me to shut it down at five o'clock because I know I can spend that hour with my son playing handball now or with my daughter fixing her guinea pig cage or whatever. I don't really want to do those things some days. I'd rather just put an extra hour into work because I know I can crush it here. And so I just think, you know, it's that Jim Rohn quote, you know, there's, there's two types of pain, the pain of discipline and the pain of regret. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's any other way to look at it. It's, it's going to happen. Either you got to dig in and, and make some tough choices and have some discipline, or you're going to have a regret. You're going to get a divorce. You're going to have a heart attack. You're going to, you know, not have kids that are close to you. You're going to be far from God. You're going to be, you know, you're going to be poor, right? You're going to be that guy that's 72 years old showing homes as a real estate agent. And so I think for me, when I start in that big stuff that feels heavy, 
my personality responds to it. Some people don't respond to it. Some people are just like, that guy's an idiot. That made me feel bad about myself. I'm going to keep going. You know, keep, I love TikTok. TikTok is great. It makes me feel good. Well, you know, I don't know what to tell you then. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that, though. I think what you just said, though, that you, what do you want? Which pain do you want? And and uh, and that's not even to say that not making money or not having success in your career require equals regret. That's it's not for everyone. Right. I mean, not everyone has what it takes or even cares like it doesn't matter to them. And that's OK. Um, I think I, I will, will decipher what you said and, and tell everyone that. But I think most people that are taking the time to listen to a real estate podcast want improvement. And so with that, you need to take what Lars said and take a good hard look in the mirror. Uh, and and try to figure out like where can I improve because that's the that, at the end of the day that is your goal. Maybe your goal is not to make seven figures or even six. Your goal is to be comfortable. That's okay. You still need improvement and uh, figure out where you can where you can improve. Lars, this has been fantastic, man. Uh, this is yeah. this is good conversation. Yeah, I didn't know where it was going to go, but it, I guess it went where it needed to. So uh, I love that. I think that's the that's the key. So where can our audience? So let's just say some of our audience say, man, I love this guy. I want more of what he's got. Where can I find them? Where can they get a hold of you? What what uh, what do you suggest? I think the uh, I think the, probably the easiest way just you know to get to know my 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 style what I what I sort of stand for just a business freedom podcast you know directly kind of connecting with me is probably partnerwithlars.com so um, the podcast is probably the most fun thing I've ever did in my done in my career uh, we're putting out an episode a day now and it, oh. I just speak about everything from sucking as a dad and a husband sometimes to, you know, crushing in business to failing in business. Um, talk about my journey, what worked, what didn't work. Uh, and you can learn more about, you know, what we've got going on uh, at partner with as well. Awesome. What about the B school? Um, you can get that through partnerlars.com, but real estate B school uh, is our, you know, we've got case studies on there, a bunch of free resources. Um, is that a web our website? Yeah. Real estate B school.com. Is it real estate so, B dash school? No, just real estate B school. So B is for business, but real estate B school.com. All one, all one word. Awesome. Yep. Dude, this has been great. Lars, uh, this has been a fantastic conversation and uh, one that we didn't know was coming, but uh, I think this is powerful. This is impactful. And uh, I've even, I'm even questioning myself. I'm almost uh, challenging myself now thinking I want to try that 15 minute increment thing just for the, just for the hell of it, just to see if I can actually do it. Are you declaring that you're going to hold yourself accountable to do it? No, I want to declare to no one. I want to okay. declare to no one. <laughs> it, it almost sounded like you did here in front of the 10 million listeners uh, that you guys have. We'll see if anybody listens. If anybody was okay. listening this long um, and you heard that, I, I want to DM. <laughs> I want to DM that you heard that and you're calling me out. Okay. And well, we'll at least hold it. you to like a Monday through Friday, a five-day time study. I'm down. I'm if, down. You'll, if you'll do that, I'll, I'll, I'll evaluate it with you. All right. All right. Sounds like sounds awesome. like we might have a plan here. <laughs> All right, brother. This has been fantastic. Good to get to know you. All right. Be good. Today's podcast is brought to you by Follow a Boss. Follow a Boss is the real estate CRM that turns every agent into a top performer. Follow a Boss is packed with features, but it's intuitive and easy to use. So agents love working with it and it integrates with everything. Use multiple lead sources. Guess what? Follow a boss keeps them all organized. Want to try new marketing channels? Switch website providers? Plug them right into Follow a Boss. Visit followupboss.com forward slash lab coat 
to see how Follow Up Boss helps you close more deals. That's followupboss.com forward slash lab coat. Lab Coat Agents Podcasts.